beautiful people. Quick question. Have you ever thought to yourself, I've been passed up for a promotion, but I don't understand why, or I want a change in my career, but where do I even begin? We know we're not the only ones that have had these questions, and that's why we started this podcast. It's called Gems for the Journey, and we hope that as you listen, you can discover some gems for your career journey. I'm Leah Murphy, and in my life, I wear many hats. I'll tell you about just three of them. I am an engineer by trade, a career coach and entrepreneur, all while working hard to stay happily married and raise three beautiful children. Ooh, that sounds like a lot of work, Leah. <laughs> my name is... <laughs> My name is Alma Gordon. I'm a brand marketer, entrepreneur, and serial passion pursuer with a business approach to my endeavors, but always with a creative spin. And we're two really great friends that have supported one another throughout our entire professional careers. I mean, we've been through it all, and we're here to share some authentic stories that include key successes and setbacks. You're not going to want to miss this. Welcome listeners. Thank you so much for joining us on our debut of A Whole New Direction uh, with this particular episode. This is Career Gems for the Journey. And up until this point, we have shared tons of experiences, uh, different uh, examples of how to navigate your career. But this one is a little different. Not only is it relevant in terms of the social times and political climate that we're currently in, but it also ties in a very authentic story, something very near and dear to my own heart uh, and something that I love to do, which is, uh, you know, consume cognac, which is my drink of choice. So on this episode of Career Gems for the Journey, it's called Drinking Cognac Helped Me Get My Career Started. Oh, and this getting is Amma. the people excited, getting the people excited. That's the hook. <laughs> That's the hook. Let's go. Yeah, this is me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, this 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 episode I was actually really excited to share because I've already been sharing this story from the very beginning of my career in brand marketing because it's it's an honest one. It's 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 genuinely how I started my career. That first interview for that first role right out of business school where I had made that career shift. So uh, just to give you a little background, because I don't think we've ever discussed it. I can fact check you though. Um, I can fact check you that this is accurate. <laughs> now that fact checking is a thing and it's hitting the mainstream, I can fact check that this is a true story. I know, I know, I, I know, I know. I know sometimes I get a little off the, on the, the creative rails and um, you know, with, with my background, but yeah, I mean, I started off my career actually as a teacher in Europe, uh, and then I switched over to finance, and uh, I loved it because I was still working with international markets, and I was able to use my language skills and help French-speaking uh, clients. And then I said, you know what? Finance is not for me. I want to dig deeper into marketing. That's what my undergraduate degree was in, and uh, just wasn't quite sure how I even ended up in finance. So I said, let me get back on this road and went back to business school. And my first internship out of business school required interviewing for a role at a very large international uh, Fortune 500 wines and spirits company. And I said, okay, this is the place for me. I can, you know, 
it's close to my university, so I won't have a problem traveling uh, after courses. And this is something that I, so I can practical totally do. Of you, huh? And so then super practical, right? Right. I'm like such a awful <laughs> list checker. You know, I was <laughs> exactly, exactly. I was going through the list of things, uh, and I said, okay, this works for me. And I interviewed for this role and it was for a cognac brand. So to be more specific, the title was uh, a brand manager or brand management intern for the brand team of an internationally known brand team. Uh, And it was cognac, which happened to be for me, the only spirit that I had been exposed to my entire life. And I said, you know what? I grew up with all the men in my family, and I'm a black woman, right? So, just a reminder. You know, most of those men were <laughs> just black. Just a men. reminder. <laughs> just, just, just in case, know. right? I'm a black. I'm a black woman. Lee is a black woman, and I just grew up. It's, it's everything that I saw, you know. Uh, just to be honest, I mean, my father, my brothers, my cousins, the men around the block, right, around the corner. Uh, you know, it's just what every black man that I knew drank so to me it was normal I mean even just walking up the street the the bus stops the you know the billboards that you would see on the train trestles and all the liquor stores in the neighborhood where I grew up in New York you know all I saw was cognac so when I stepped foot into that interview room I said you know what I have something that hands down most of my competitors for this one seat we're all coming for probably don't have. They didn't grow up from a small child knowing this particular brand, drinking this particular spirit and being exposed to it. Already seeing the advertisements, already seeing the television ads, already being a part of parties, right, that may have even been sponsored because they were targeting exactly. my community. You were the targeted market, right? So you knew what would be good, what would actually land. Um, so that's a, that's a phenomenal differentiator. But you know how I went up to them. Right? Let's go. Tell them. You tell know them. how I went up to them. Right? Gems prepared to be dropped, guys. This is it. This is it right now. That was the backstory. Right? Because, because, because this is why I introduced the episode with a little bit of my background. I used to live in Europe. I was a teacher in France. So I spoke French. And the whole premise behind Cognac is that it's from France. Right, just as a heads up, some people don't know that, so let me not take that for granted. That in order for it to be called a cognac, it has to be derived from cognac, France. So, not only was I being targeted, right, before I even knew what being targeted meant, right, having a target market, before I even knew anything about marketing, I was being targeted. My family, all the black men in my family, my entire upbringing, right, were being targeted. But then I went up them because I said, I actually want to learn about international markets. I want to learn another language. And it happened to be French. So when I came to that table, right, I already had the education. I already had the international experience. I actually had the French language and had assimilated with the culture when I lived there. And then I had something that no one else could, could have even, you know, taken away or things that I couldn't even be prepared for, which is exposure to this particular spirit, this particular brand in this, in this case, 
from before I even knew what a brand Let that breathe. Was. Just let that breathe how well equipped you were from so many levels through your natural progression in life. How specific this role was a great fit for you because of all your experiences. Because I think our listeners might not really appreciate that they have a similar set of experiences or they have something to offer in an organization too in a really unique way. So I think first give you your flowers, how you showed up. Yeah, I got international experience, y'all. Oh, you missed that too. I got MBA. I I got all the things. Um, So yeah, there's a mic drop moment opportunity there, but we're going to hold on to it and let the episode go. But it's definitely a really interesting um, swirl that all these things came to be uh, without you even knowing and that prepared you to be in this room. So that's amazing. Thanks, Lee. I think that's one thing we, we, we tend to do on this this uh, podcast is give each other our flowers while we are still here. In such turbulent times, you just never right. know, right? Don't miss an opportunity. You just never know, right? Um, but I mean, the goal here, right? And what we'll be talking about today is that everyone has a unique set of experiences, a background that quite frankly, you may not been able to, to control, to, to curate, right? This is something that you were born into. And this helps shape your story. And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter where you live. But everyone has something that is shaping them to help prepare them for the right role, for the right opportunity, for the right entrepreneurial endeavor, for the right business venture, whatever it is, Everyone has something that they were born into, this background that helps mold them, shape them. And you can add value in so many different ways. And and the great thing is that your story is only yours. It's only unique, right, to you. No one else can have this story. So when you show up and when when you have conversations, when you can make a difference, and make an impact with anyone that you come into to, to contact with in the corporate environment as an entrepreneur or just every day, this is something that everyone can bring to the table. And we have a guest today. We have an amazing guest who, I mean, Leah, you know, he he's a black man, number one. I just want to shout out to those. We I love black men. Right? We love you. Right, we appreciate right. you. Hopefully, your value, hopefully. your importance. Right. To us. I mean, <laughs> listen, and hopefully you've listened to a few of our other episodes because lately, especially in terms of what's going on, uh, you know, we wanted to highlight that black men are talented, they are skilled, they are valued, and this is not a hard to come by thing, by the way. Right? Like they want to make an impact on the, in their community. So we have Bone Sue Thompson on our episode today. Super excited and grateful that he was able to uh, allocate some time to bring his wisdom, his experience. Uh, I mean, everything that he comes to the table, he always has a point of view. So this, I mean, you guys are in for a treat because everything that tends to come out of Bone Sue's mouth, oftentimes, at least for me, makes me think, am I doing enough? Actually, I'm not sure that I know enough about that. Let me go research that. So before we jump in, 
I want to give you a little bit about his background. He's a writer, a producer, originally from New York, Brooklyn. Brooklyn, you know, let's just shout out Brooklyn right now. I mean, he's co-written award-winning films. I mean, I mean, so many film festivals. I mean, and to be honest, we have such a close relationship. You know, uh, he's like, I mean, he, he's, he's practically my brother. And I have always respected him and looked up to him. Uh, he's not that much older, but the wisdom that he has and what he's, the impact that he's been able to make on the world, I mean, from writing, from producing, from docu-series, I mean, in the, the music industry and just Black culture in general, um, I mean, he calls himself a, a cultural engineer. I love it. So I'm just excited to have you, title. right? <laughs> so, 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 Bonsu, welcome. thank you. Thank you. Welcome Thanks to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Did I leave out anything from your introduction? I, was, I mean, I just I was, want to make sure that like, we're giving you all your flowers. Too. A little bit. That was, that was a very, that was a very robust <laughs> intro. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh man, they're like sixty-five years old. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. This is a uh, great, and I and I too love cognac as well. I've been a lifer as well, so I'm I'm excited to be on this particular episode. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, Bonsu is like a brother to me, um, like family. And, you know, we share a lot of things in common. And not only do we both love love, love cognac, right? (laughs) We both also have this unique background, right? That we didn't have a choice, right? And to be a part of, we didn't choose to be, you know, our families are, are you know, from Brooklyn. Bonsu was born in Brooklyn. I'm from, you know, I was actually born in Queens, but we didn't choose that, right? We didn't choose to live in the households that we did. We didn't choose for our parents to have the background give, that they us, did. And give us all of those name. things. <laughs> right. Yeah, all right. You know, <laughs> and he, you know, I mean, he brings that up because he knows. <laughs> Let's explore. Yeah, you know what, Leah? Listen, yeah, because Leah, you don't know this story, just like the listeners don't know this story. But you know, Bone Sue is a Ghanaian name, right? Uh, you want to tell us what it means? Bone Sue means mighty warrior. Un- so I'm sorry, excuse me. It means mighty whale, unconquerable on land and sea. I almost forgot the meaning of my name. Yes, um, I'm, it's Bonesu Kwaku. Um, and his, and I don't know if you know this, so here's some drop a gem, right? So my name is supposed to be, my first name is supposed to be Kwaku. Like on my birth certificate, it's Bonesu Kwaku Thompson, but it's supposed to be Kwaku Bonesu Thompson. They messed up my birth certificate in the hospital. It was supposed to be Kwaku and Kwame. Kwame's my brother. Oh. Are you doing actually it? I did know that story oh. like like I told okay. the listener yeah I did <laughs> like I told so <laughs> sibling shade actually I knew that then, um, yeah. go ahead then. I'm gonna let are you, 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 yeah. you my first name supposed to be Quaku oh I, I didn't know that okay. yes Bonsu. so listeners just little little you know flash flash alert so the same way you're going you you hopefully have already picked up on the dynamic that Leah and I have which are amazing strong friendship uh, and how we interact with each other, you know, Bonsu is like a brother to me. And so we have our dynamic too. So I have no doubt that this is going to be a really entertaining <laughs> and, and a really fun episode. Um, 
and yes, he is. He is. So I, you know, you know, Kweku is is yeah. an African day name, right? And just to school him a little bit on Ghanaian um, history, Ghanaian culture, is that uh, when you are when you are born in Ghana and you are born a boy, uh, your name there's seven days of the week. There's seven day names. We will not list yeah, them out. You can surely Google it. <laughs> <laughs> and they all start with K. And then if you're born in Ghana and you're born a girl, there is seven day names and they all start with the letter A. Newsflash, how we're getting closer to my name in this story and how it all ties together, right? So uh, all the seven day names for any female born in Ghana or has a Ghanaian name, they start with A. My name is Ama. I was born on Saturday, right? And uh, so I actually was given my name under the significant influence of Bone Sue's mother. And Such a polite way. My father say, had There's <laughs> also a side joke to this as well. Like you and your brother were born on Saturday. That's right. That's right. My yeah. brother's name is Kwame, and Bone Sue's brother's also name is Kwame. <laughs> Head explosion emoji. <laughs> little black history there. We got right, a little right. African Ghanaian culture there. We're giving the strong black women influencing the world. Yes, yeah. give it all to me. Right. Give it to me. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Uh, not only strong black women influence, right, but strong black men, male influence also, uh, because Bone Sue's yeah. father, right, and this one you might have to correct me on because I was, you know, I'm, I'm younger than you, so maybe I was a baby at the time or not even here yet, but uh, was a Ghanaian. He priest. is. Is that correct? Uh, he's a well, it's a it's an Akan. Currently, priest, the, the he's a his religion is was rooted in West Africa, so he studied in Accra, Ghana. So it's an he's an Akan priest from that particular religion. It still is very high priest yeah. now. And yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think um, you know, so it was with the influence of his father uh, and uh, Bonsu's mother that highly influenced uh, you know my family and my mother and father who actually had a very American name planned for me, inspired by Nina Simone, the legend, yeah. Yeah, the one and only. Strong uh, feeling, strong emotions yeah. for Nina. <laughs> yeah. Oh, especially now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. So my name was supposed to be Nakia Simone. Uh, nope, and then the women came in and debowed and said, nope, 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 she's gonna be called Ama. You you can keep Nakia Simone, but that's going after <laughs> So my... <laughs> So that's how I got my name, Ama Nikia Simone, and I was born on Saturday, and I am proud to have an African uh, Ghanaian, to be specific, day name, uh, through the influence of Bone Sue's my, family. My, my meddling so, uh, I didn't know. I didn't know you had two. <laughs> I, I have two middle names because that was supposed to be my first. <laughs> the two middle names is a compromise <laughs> to the strong I know that was too much like right. Yeah, that's <laughs> well, you know what happened because with a day name, you don't, you can't give it until the, the baby is born on that day. So, well, no, technically, I, you're not you know, to get it until your hopefully, name is hopefully. Yeah. Well, yes. Yes, but they won't know what's name to give you until the day you're born, right? It's based on right. So, so I was born, and they and they already my, my dad had the name planned. He didn't know that <laughs> the day was gonna come, 
and they were gonna say yeah so we're gonna do this also so so you, the, we'll keep your ideas but she, it's Saturday today is Saturday uh and it's 4 52 in the a.m so Ama it is Good luck and be well. Your whole government out here now. We got all of the background. Yes, and two middle names. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I mean, all that says is that I think before I was even here, right? Uh, we 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 came from two families that I feel like we were destined to really be impactful in each other's lives. I mean, just even how our names came about, the story. You know, just just the history of our families and um, how it all started is is already unique, right? So back to our initial, you know, hope for what you will take away from this episode is this story that we just shared with you is unique, right? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but but my father is not, you know, an Akan, you know, Ghanaian priest, right? <laughs> right? That that's a big freaking deal. But also born yeah. in Brooklyn, right? And also has a strong, you know, female lead mm-hmm. in the household, right? Um, right. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm starting to list it out, but I mean, tell us a little bit more about your experience. Like, what has helped really shape you, other than some of the things that we've listed, like cognac and and the, the naming? But I mean, I what mean, else has I really was, shaped I you? I definitely had a very uh, unique upbringing, um, but I'm definitely better for it. I love it. Um, you know, my dad was born in Bedford-Stuyvesant, Brooklyn. Uh, my mother was born in Williamsburg Projects. Um, they're very much Brooklynites, but um, they're, uh, you know, you know my mother. My mother definitely marches to her own drum, um, and so does my father, which is why they were divorced pretty early in my life. Um, but, like, you know, <laughs> my dad, you know, coming up in a very crowded, um, you know, Brooklyn, you know, Southern family, you know, household, he, you know, of course, they went to church. My grandmother was very hardworking, et cetera, et cetera. My grandfather was a typical, you know, you know, typical Rolling Stone black man. Um, and, you know, his Cadillac was more important than his family, et cetera, et cetera. So my dad wanted more. I mean, my, my dad was very studious and he knew there was more than just like that Bible on his grandmother's uh, nightstand. Um, so he went to Africa seeking, uh, you know, more knowledge, the, the truth. And he found he discovered the Akan religion while in college, and then went to Af- went to Ghana to study. Um, and I think he took me also when I was about two years old. So I think I spent the first I spent I spent like a year there as a, as a two year old. And actually, I spoke Twi, which is the Ghanaian dialect, before I spoke English because I was there while learning to speak. So of course, I picked that up. Um, my mother, she tells a very dramatic story about how she was crying because I wouldn't respond to her in English. Um, at first, um, but that was my upbringing. Like my dad always, you know, I think you read that article I did. I wrote to my dad last Father's Day, like you know, telling my father raised my father raised me to not trust yep. white people. Like, like that was the real truth. Like my dad raised me very, you know, pro black is cliche, but you know, he raised me with a very strong black identity. Like I never had the issue of like wanting to be light skin or thinking white women were more attractive than black women. Um, you know, I never had that issue because in my household, specifically my father's household, like it was very much about um, black. I mean, it's kind of racist when you think about it, but like black was better, you know, the sweeter, the berry, the sweeter the juice, you know, black of the berry, the sweeter the juice, you know. So, um, you know, so like, you know, but then like I got out of the household and my mother, my father lived in Bed-Stuy. 
my mother lived in East Flatbush and which was predominantly Caribbean. So I grew up with all my best friends being Haitian and Jamaican. So like, you know, going from like having a strong black foundation, um, you know, always being a writer. Um, but of course, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not forties now. So it was like, you know, growing, um, you know, in the eighties as a child, you know, looking at inspiration, there wasn't really much like there weren't many black, journalists you know specifically not you know that were speaking to my to my generation right hip-hop journalism didn't arrive until you know like early early 90s very late 80s early 90s um and so having like you know okay. so let's so let's pause for a second because i because i didn't say that right and and when i said tell them anything i missed out on you're like oh you're being all bashful which i don't even know how that happened but tell, I mean, tell them who you wrote for. Tell them who, you know, what magazines, what publications um, you were running the show that you were yeah, editor was, in chief. That I mean, let's let them. I mean, I this is our time to shine. For, I mean, I'll run down my resume. I was the music editor for Double XL. I started out as an internship in '98. Blossomed into music editor. Um, fast forwarding here, Double um, uh, XL magazine was, you know prominent uh hip-hop publication the source magazine was like the number one hip-hop publication during my um during my term at double xl we basically we became the number one hip-hop magazine um through some amazing work um we had enough we had enough stock in the culture that we had like um uh subsidiary magazines like that were dedicated to just r&b and hip-hop like hip-hop soul i became editor-in-chief of that for a couple of years um, left there to present <clears throat> to become an entrepreneur. That was a whole nother journey. Um, but then I started getting into uh, starting being really attracted to marketing um, naturally because I grew up in print, right? I grew up in print, and in print, you know, you would create a magazine like we're creating a magazine right now. This magazine, like it's June right now, right? Like till tomorrow's June first, right? But if like if I'm creating a magazine in June, that that issue doesn't come out until August, which means you have to be you have to forecast what the people want, what the people need. You have to get music early. You have to know what the trends are going to be. Um, so like you know, you always have to be projecting. You always have to have your lens two months ahead. And and developing those sensibilities, it gave me a natural uh, marketing. It gave me natural marketing sensibilities. So I would have companies come and have conversations with me because they either wanted their product in the magazine, but then I started having ideas to do it very organically, that to give them attention organically. And then what happens is we would have conversations, and they would take ideas that I gave them outside of, the, and it would be beyond the magazine. It would help their brand out to where some some brands started actually. <clears throat> asking me to counsel for them lightly. And that's when I realized like, oh, you know, but I was already doing it before I realized that it was actually a job that I was doing. Like, oh, this is a position. Like, this is what people do, are supposed to be doing, you know? And mm -hmm. then influencer marketing came, you know, um, after like, you know, 10 years in the, in the new millennium, influencer marketing came and, and then like spirit started becoming bigger and being, you know, we had that multi-culty, you know, focus, as you know, you, you've been a part of. Um, um, so then like, you know, was doing, um, getting into more of marketing and branding and things like that. I got into like hospitality, as you know, like not only is cognac my favorite spirit, but like my favorite meal is brunch. So I started like doing like night brunch experiences for restaurants that wanted to, um, that wanted to, to, to figure out a way to, to, to galvanize a group of folks to introduce their menu to them in a very organic way. Um, again, but back in. Those were my favorite. Those are my favorite, by the way, I just want to, a little shameless plug here 
Uh, that was not only my favorite because mm-hmm. cognac is also my favorite, yeah. and then I love brunch too. But at the time, I was working in wine, wines and spirits. I was heavy yeah. in wines and spirits, and we were able to collaborate. So for me, I you know, and we talk about this in one of our episodes. Right. What really drives us, right, in our profession and our field, and for me, it's influence, right. but it's also collaboration. And when I was able to collaborate with you right. on any of those things. It was like everything all in one. It was like, right. yes, I can yeah. support my people, <laughs> my, my family, yeah. black all men. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Right. I mean, something for, for right. black people, done by black people, uh, in positions of influence where marketing right. comes together and it's right. I'm, just, glad, uh, I'm glad you said that. I mean, I, I love that it. out. Like I would specifically target eateries um, you know, uh, that were black owned. Like I wanted to give, I was, you know, I'm, you know, I'm Brooklyn to the, to the death. And it was like, I just, I was so tired of people feeling like the best was in Manhattan or the best or the best restaurants were in gentrified Williamsburg, you know? And I was like, there was so many like fantastic chefs, fantastic black young chefs, so many great black owned eateries throughout Brooklyn. They just weren't getting the attention. So I was bringing, you know, my love, you know, spirits, um, cognac, dark liquor, brunch I would bring in that so what I was like okay you need nightlife right but you need it in a very organic way to set you apart so that I would bring the midnight brunch to these establishments of course they had to have a, they had to have a fire brunch menu but I would bring it to them on like Saturday night so people would experience these menus on Saturday night and then come back of course then the following Saturday during the afternoon to have you know the conventional brunch um so anyway you know I'm giving I'm hopping all over the place but you know it went from like you know um, having this is all like black culture, right? Like from like print magazine and double XL and hip hop magazines and, and writing for Vibe and being an editorial uh, consultant for them to being editor in chief of the Source magazine to you know working with numerous brands from Translation, which is owned by Steve Stout, to writing a commercial for Jay Z, um, to producing being a producer on the Bad Boy documentary for for Puff. Um, Right now we're talking. Yeah, yeah. Tell yeah. them so, what you're doing. So, I mean, and you, then, so like, tra- I started. I started, Bozo is I started not bashful. So. Into my storytelling started transitioning into as like you know media and digital uh, started becoming more of a thing. Social media. I started transitioning more into like visual storytelling, um, and started doing like you know uh, mini documentaries. Right. So I had a mini documentary series with BET called Prelude, where I would go to. Um, the city of like up and coming artists and kind of like paint like this big fish and small pond uh, picture of these guys and do like five minute documentaries on these artists like Kodak Black or uh, Sonia Elise who, who who records with everybody from Anderson Pack to the game um, on and on Drizzy you know et cetera et cetera um, and what happened was I got the opportunity to co-write a short film with a director friend of mine. Um, it was called Story Ave. Uh, we wrote the short film. We submitted it. We wrote the short film in, I think, 2017. We submitted it to the festivals, the top of 2018. We won our first... Uh, I think you were there, actually. We won our first... Yeah. Of course I was there. I wasn't going to mention yeah, mom, it, but I'm, 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 I'm always there for like you. So. <laughs> Seriously, a sister. But like, um, but our first, our first uh, festival was the Manhattan Film Festival and we won that. And then of course, you know how, you know how it is. 
Wait, stop, stop. Go ahead, Right, because if it, if it, right, if it wasn't going to be, it was going to be Leah. I think, I think on this particular episode, Leah's giving me, you know, the opportunity to first write a refusal <laughs> because right. of our relationship. But, but when gems drop, we have to say that. So say that again. So, yeah, so we you won. won. Yeah, we, the first, yeah, the first festival, festival yeah. for the first film. That you wait. Stop rushing me along, okay? Listen. She's giving you your flowers, also. She's giving you your flowers. I'm shutting up. Right. We are. The floor is yours. Take the flowers. Didn't we introduce the episode that we all came from strong black women? That's why I know when to shut up. (laughs) I have no problem. So I have no problem asserting, but uh, I do know this about you. I don't know if people, other people know this about you, that you're actually not very good at receiving compliments and being the focus of attention. So I want to acknowledge, right, that on the first film that you co-wrote in the first film festival that you entered, you won won. that award. That's short. I mean, listen, no, I know. You know what? I'm a, and this is this is again. This is probably a flaw of mine. Like, I'm an Aquarius, right? And I'm always creating. Like, I have have more ideas than I can even remember. And like, when I've done something like two years ago, like it's so old to me. Like, I don't give it the same value. I get it, and I hear what you're saying, and you're absolutely right. I am completely wrong. But like I buy it's like I already did that. That's I'm already on two I'm already on 2021. I'm yeah, already but on we my need, next script. We so. need these stories, Bon too. Like we you're right. other no, you're people right. need to hear it and see it and feel it because the the reason why right. you're on you this yeah. the reason why you're on this platform is because it's like there's a void sometimes, right? For stories that are even anything right. close to yours. Or their, you know, their dismissal of it. And we wanted to use our platform to make sure, like, no, 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 there is fire, like, in our immediate network, right, within an arm's reach from us. And we're, you know, we want to give you guys a platform and an opportunity. So, though it feels awkward and it feels uncomfortable, we want to give you guys and shine the light on on some real talent, some real gifts uh, that you've given the world and people should appreciate. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I mean, I want you to continue, but I also want to highlight something that, I don't think you know this, right? So when I was living in France, right, obviously we always knew each other. Like, you know, we grew up with our families um, as a part of a family, whether we wanted to or not, right? Um, I was in France. I mean, at the, it was, it was, I think it was we were eating breakfast and I was there with my French roommate who was a very white, very French woman that only spoke French. And I'm watching MTV or one of those, you know, music channels. And it's one of those shows where they have experts in the field come and they speak about, you know, talent and artists and things that are being created in the industry. And you show up on the screen. So I'm, yes, I'm in Lyon. I'm in Lyon, France. I heard. 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 I
and I'm there with my French roommate and you come on the screen. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is my brother, right? So, and I have to say it in French to her and explain to her and she was confused, right? Because here is this black man on the TV screen. So that's a big deal, right? And it was a major like cable network show. If it's going, if it's airing all the way in France, it's a big show, right? It's a national show. And uh, and then she's like, wait, and you're a black woman and you know him. Wait, what are you, what's, what's going on? You know what I mean? She had never been exposed to that. She had never been exposed to uh, highlighting someone of this caliber on an international market because she did know I was from the US, right? So she's like, wow, you know, like this person is a big deal. And not only is this person a big deal because they're on TV, but you know them also. So that moment, not only was I proud of you, right? But I was proud. I don't think, yeah, I, know I, don't, you. I, don't, I said thank you. I didn't, I didn't know that. Thank what was that? You, Sorry, say you. that again. Say that again. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Listen, by the end <laughs> of this episode, you. you're gonna be saying thank I'm you not... real easily when people give you what compliments. <laughs> thank you so much, Ama. <laughs> you're gonna say it loud and proud that you know. <laughs> No, I mean, listen, I brag she does, about him all the time. Um, <laughs> Again, fact check. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, it, and it's not in like a braggy way, like, oh, my brother did this. Cause, cause, because honestly, Leah didn't know all, all those accomplishments that you had, right? Uh, she she said, you know, when I sent the bio, I was like, actually, he's a pretty big deal. And I started like, you know, kind of listing off the stuff. She was like, oh, um, I didn't. I didn't know all of that. I just know how impactful he was in your life. And, you know, you speak highly of him, but, you know, I'm not like this name dropper type of person. So, uh, so yeah, so, so Bonsu, that happened. And that was back in 2000. Wow. Okay. And oh, yeah, right. The locks and everything. That's right. Yep. 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 You had the locks. You had the locks. And you were on the screen and you were, you know, doing what you do best, which is speaking about something that you were passionate about and knowledgeable about. Uh, and um, so, yes, yeah, so I just wanted to, to ensure that we stopped. We acknowledged what you've accomplished, uh, you know, coming from where you've come from with parents who, who you've had and and how all of that has culminated into some Thank huge you. major wins. <laughs> Nice. Uh, See, it's coming easier, right? It's coming. It's rolling off easier now. But yeah, so so let's talk a little bit about you know how these experiences. Mm -hmm. Because you you mentioned places where you worked, and then you um you kind of glazed over that you Mm -hmm. went off and started to do things on your own, right? So um that in itself is a major deal. We talk about that on. The show. Uh, so wait, um, before you go on, because I because well, I wanted speak to. About... Um, Bonsu said something specifically around starting to consult, and I think this is where you're going. But you said, "I started to consult because that's what people did," and I was thinking that's what people did with this level of credentials that you provide, right? No, like, no, I was saying, had. I was saying, I was ignorant so... to the fact that I was actually doing a job that was an actual position. I didn't realize that. I was already doing the job before I was educated on that was oh. actual position. I was like, I was doing marketing before I knew what marketing was. I was consulting before I knew I was consulting for these brands. 
that people were getting actually get paid to consult for these brands outside of the brand, you know, but kind of being pulled in as like a, um, like a, a, a specialist or you know, for lack of a better term, you know? Um, yeah. And, but I realized mm-hmm. I got these marketing sensibilities mm-hmm. from always having been trained to look ahead, to look at, to know what was going on at the, at the immediate time and know what was and project, what was going to happen. You know, because we're, we're again, we're right. We're creating this this tangible magazine when t- magazines were a thing. We're creating this right now, but this has to be relevant and and educational and cool and informative. Two months later, you know that that takes us to do that every single month. It trains you, you know. So I was able to tell brands, this is what's going on right now. This is what's about to happen. This is where you fit into the conversation organically, right? I always tell brands like, you know, you never want to attempt to be a part of the conversation you want to kind of like imbue yourself naturally into the conversation or start a new conversation an extension of that conversation you know but those sensibilities i didn't i weren't I don't, i'm not formally trained in marketing it was just it's me just you know being a student of the game and and living within the culture you know and being hyper aware um i'm sorry that was a very long-winded response to you saying um um no, no, this, I mean, <laughs> no, no. I, yeah, I mean, so it was, I mean, that's, yeah, all so I was, was going to do more, was actually ask you know, more to kind of tell like us more what about I was that. Doing. Like, it, mm-hmm. I really kind of stumbled into it um, from what you said, Alma, earlier, like, you know, just b- being a product of the culture, living in it, loving it, um, and also, you know, having responsibility in it. Like, you know, I consider myself a cultural engineer because it's part, you know, I'm not only my producing, but I'm also curating, right? I am not only want to put what's good out there, but I also want to, like, discredit and you know chop down the weed so that the spinach can flourish you know um that's that's this you know so whether i'm like doing you know a a mini documentary or writing a script or uh talking you know how a a spirit brand can speak to uh you know people of color you know it all comes from that background all comes from my upbringing you know having that strong identity being able to locate where our magic lies um and you know and sometimes that magic is in a nightclub, sometimes that magic is in a, a, a you know, in a, a certain character, a fictitious character, um, but it has to be authentic, you know, um, and that's you know, just a constant reflection. I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm a, you know, journalism major, and I've always been, you know, kind of a nerd, so it's like I've studied, you know, you, we've always been given, like, white text. I've read more, you know, white literature than I've read black literature as a child, because that was given to me. And I'm at this point where it's like, I don't need to create anything more for white people. I, we have been, our stories have been told so less that I can spend the rest of my life telling our stories that haven't been told or stories that are being created right now, you know, and that's my focus. So whether it's like Midnight Brunch for a black owned um, business, you know, Sweet Brooklyn, you know, is owned, you know, the, the bar that <clears throat> we frequent, I'm that is owned by two women of color. One is Puerto Rican, the other one is black. Um, Alberta is, is a black chef who was like 25 years old, Locks, who's extremely skilled. He gave me some of the best brunch food that I've ever had. And he was only like 20. <clears throat> Seriously. Seriously. I was just gonna, and I'm still in contact with him. Menus that were curated. Yeah. Yeah. In their future as well. But, you know, all I'm doing all of this, you know, sometimes from the outside, it looks like, you know, Bonesu is about having a good time. And I'm very much about having a good time. But this is all strategic. Like, I purposely want people to have a good time in specific spaces that are black owned, you know, that, are, you know, because we do have good product. I think the, the, um, we still are kind of, um, we're kind of like brainwashed sometimes to think that white is better and brighter and it's not the case, 
You know, we just don't have the spotlight that they have. You know, they're not better than us. They just have more opportunity. They may have more volume, but we that doesn't mean that they're better. You know, um, there are more white DJs than black DJs, but like you can't tell me that you can't give me too many white DJs that are better than D Nice. You know, um, and that's how I feel. So like you know, I'm about serving, literally mm-hmm. serving the minority. Um, yeah, and we did the same thing with our script. It was very much a you know a black short film. Um, it was a the protagonist was was uh was black. The the, the antagonist was black. The protagonist was was Hispanic. Um, it's, it's the setting was in the South Bronx, so you know they say write what you know. Um, I I think I'm just diverse enough to like really give a very nuanced you know picture. It can be black and brown, but still very nuanced where it can resonate with a, a white woman in France, you know, if necessary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it and, the, and the short film, the short <laughs> film got me to. The it Sunday absolutely Slide. did that. It absolutely did Slide. that. You know that. So now we have a a narrative of feature length version of that short film that's been workshopped throughout that, that was workshopped throughout 2019 at Sundance's screenwriters fellow. So, you know, this kid from Brooklyn actually made a Sundance two Sundance labs. That's the stuff that, you know, it's happening now. I'm, I'm proud of it. Um, and hopefully we you know I'll have by next year, we'll have an actual movie, you know? So that's why, that's why it's like, you talk about like short film stuff. I'm like, eh, yeah, that was three years ago. And like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like 2021, you know, and, um, <laughs> and, you know, I guess this is kind of related, like we're coming out of this <laughs> pandemic, uh, you know, I was, once, once the COVID hit and we were quarantined, like, you know, it kind of, it felt like my, some of my dreams were being shattered because we were at the process where we gra- literally like essentially graduated from two Sundance labs where we we're at the point where we were like about to accumulate funding to shoot this film, like, you know, we were kind of like the darlings at both labs and we had a slot. We had a, a, like a pending slot to premiere our film at next year's Sundance Festival. You know, uh, we didn't have a, not one scene shot yet and they already were like, we want to debut this, we want to premiere this at next year's festival, which was going to be everything. So like my entire 2020 was supposed to be leading up to this big moment at Sundance next year. So when we when everything shut down and, you know, our film was like, you know, was in like COVID, you know, purgatory, it was like, you know, it was kind of depressing. It felt like all of this work I put in, you know, not to mention like it was supposed to also be like my income for the next three months because I worked for myself, you know, that was, you know, I had to recalibrate, you know, so um, it was rough. I'm, I'm, I think I've gotten my footing. It's no, my agent told me there's no better time to be a writer than during the COVID. And I've been writing my ass off again, all black stories whether it's how you know black strippers are making more money on ig live whether it's mm-hmm. you know thank you very much thank you very much don't get any ideas that was an amazing piece pays, by pays the both way. of you I just um, to let you know that mm-hmm. um <laughs> <laughs> no but I mean, what, you're, both of you, what, you're like, what you're circling around though is is really this really powerful idea that i just wanted to like mm-hmm. spend a little bit more time in which is black stories deserve to be told. They are powerful stories that can that can be consumed yeah. by all audiences, even though they're Absolutely. written for black people. But the other thing that you mentioned there, right, is like Bonsu is all about having a good time. But you can have a good time and move the culture. Exactly. You can have a good time and have a positive influence on black businesses. It doesn't. I think so many times we're confronted right. with this either or. 
right? Like in order to be seen as successful, it has to look like this. And your story right now is kind of proving, you know, as its own example um, within the context of your life that it doesn't have to be either or, right? It does have to be a choice though. It has to be a choice where you decide that I want to represent these things and my interests because there's, there is beauty here. There's art here. There is, there are gifts that we need to give. So I just, I find that to be a fantastic way to use your gifts and your talents to serve your people, but also, you know, yeah. create and wings just, for And I'm yourself, just tired so. of that, the, the, the corny narrative, you know, that like, you know, it's, it's better. Like the more volume of something means that the product is better. Like that's not, that's not really the case, you know? And then when you start getting into, you know, uh, food, you start getting into culinary arts, you start getting into spe- specific dishes, special uh, cocktails and how, you know, and, and start speaking with mixologists, like, the, the best stuff is really the stuff that's really popular. You know, rarely is the most popular stuff the best stuff, you know? So, you know, it's like, it's, again, it's as a cultural engineer, I try to really like chop those weeds away so that the spinach that's buried in the shade can get some sunlight, you know? Um, and it, that's, that's, that's been my focus, you know, that's, and I really feel like I can do this for the rest of my life. There's really no need to uh, focus on things that are, were given to us, you know, constantly or are force fed to us, you know? Uh, the stuff that we were forced fed wasn't the most nutritious food, you know. Just through it. so you you mm-hmm. talked about just yeah. being really multi hyphenate, right? Mm-hmm. Being a producer, being a writer, mm-hmm. a cultural curator, right? All of these things. So, in your mind, how do you? What advice do you give to people who are you know interested or aspiring to do something in the realms that you're doing? Right? You came up in mm-hmm. print, right? Print doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the way it used to. So what what advice do you give to people who you know aspire to do something similar to you, to have a film in the Sundance Film Festival? How should uh, they lay out some yeah, breadcrumbs for their area Because I know I really, no, I really like, I, I have a very <laughs> unique path and I, I'm still, even the path I'm, I'm, I'm paving mm-hmm. currently is a unique path. I don't, I wouldn't, I don't even advise people to do what I've done. Like I just, I quit having a job. I, I said I was not going to have another job like nine years ago. And because I just didn't believe the system. I, you know, I, I didn't like, I, I didn't, I wouldn't, I needed to be flexible. Um, I felt I can do more and be more impactful on my own. Um, but that is, I need people to understand while it may sound cool, like, oh, I don't have a job. Like I very much have a career and I am, yeah, multi-hyphenated. Like I can do a number of things, but it's not just about like just spinning my wheels and doing whatever, you know, floating with the wind. Like I'm a, a very, I'm very studied. Like I study markets before I enter it. Um, and that's, but, that, but that's also an innate fun. These are things that I'd be doing if I wasn't getting paid for it. So like I have the, I have the, the, the fortune of, um, I have the mm-hmm. fortune of doing or being, uh, my, of having a career that's focused around my passions. That's my, that's my, my, um, that's probably my golden life. The thing I'm most grateful for. Um, I would be writing for free. I was, I've been writing since, I don't remember not writing actually. Like I, my, I, my father showed me some, some quote unquote books I wrote when I was four years old. Like it was, it was like construction paper stapled together, but like, it was interesting. I mean, of course it was all about cops and robbers cause I'm four years old, but you know, it's like, but it, I, the front of the, the front page says author Bonesu Thompson illustration Bonesu Thompson, because that was me seeing books at a very young age, three years. I was reading at like a very young age and seeing these books and emulating those, you know, on my own, like, you know, so I've always been a storyteller. Um, so it's, it's hard for me to like tell somebody what to do because 
in order to be me, you got to go through the same pains I went through. Like, you know, like you got to go broke at some point, right? Like you got to figure out how to make money on your own. You have to like, you have to, you have to juggle, uh, you have to juggle like relationships on a constant basis. You have to be sensitive to certain people. Like, you know, you have to support constantly. One of the things that I can take, I can say I took out of the COVID and quarantine is that a big part of my job is like going to support people because you have to stay on the frontal lobe of folks, stay on their memory so that they can collab with you later when they want to cut a check or they want to collab, you know, hire somebody they're thinking of you. And now I got that time back. I don't have to go to the album listening. I can't go to the album listening. I can't go to the dinner. I can't go to the birthday party or the screening or whatever it is. I have that time now to be creative. Um, so, but it's, it's, I may make it look a little easier than it is, but it's really challenging. Like, I, I don't know if people would be built to do what I've done, to not have a job, not have a fallback plan to put to bet on yourself completely. Um, I wouldn't have it any other way because I have all faith in myself, but I, don't, I feel almost sometimes irresponsible telling somebody to take the path that I did because they may not be built like me. Yeah, because you told me not to do it. No, 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 no. I told you not to do it that way. I didn't say not to do it. I said don't do it that way. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. No, I mean, what you what you did tell me, right, is, listen, don't jump without a parachute. And I think that's probably what has always connected us, right, is a few things, actually. One is, I, and Leah knows this, right, she learned this when we were back in college, that I'm not very good at doing things that I'm not passionate about. Like, I actually rather not put my energy and resources into something that I don't love, right? Hands down. And, uh, you know, we all have these personal experiences that everyone is not necessarily, you know, cut out for, or they don't have that background, or they don't have that interest, and they don't have that passion level. And, and even more so, they may not have the faith in themselves, right? Because like you said, you, you right, if, exactly. if you're not willing to do 100%. something for free, then in 100%. my opinion, you don't love it enough. But I think what you guys both have said, though, is right. develop a set of skills so that when you're ready, right, when the right opportunity presents itself and you pursue right. your passion wholeheartedly, you have an arsenal, right, of things you can bring to the table so that you are such an asset to whatever organization or association or project or collaboration that you have. That is something that no one can take away from you. And that's also something that will continue right. to propel you forward because nobody can take those skills like you know, know thank you for saying that, Leah. you know what and i'm actually question because i'm not gonna like advise somebody to take my route because of course everybody's route is unique but what i will say is like we said right i would say start with your passion right start figure out who you are right because there are things people because there are a lot of people with jobs there are a lot of people in certain industries where it's just not who they are they're just doing it to like paycheck or they're used to it or that's what that's the community they're raising, whatever it may be. Really find out who you are, what your passions are, what makes you happiest, what you will do for free. And then study your ass off. Everything about it. We're, like, Because I mean, my thing is like, you look at it almost like a, like a musician, right? Okay, you may play the saxophone. Okay, but you still need to know what that percussion is supposed to do. You still need to know what the music director is supposed to do. So that you're a part of it, but you understand the entire ecosystem. And once you understand the entire ecosystem, it will make you the best saxophone player in the world. That's how I see it. So that's my advice to anybody. Figure out who you are. Figure out what you'll be great at. Figure out what your skill set is, what your talents are. 
and then study the fuck out of it and study and then stu- not only study oh sorry can i curse on this okay <laughs> I'm study the shit out of it yeah <laughs> of course this is ours and then study the ecosystem with the, you know that that all the ecosystems where your craft can flourish that's that's that would be my advice again like i wasn't i've always been a writer and i've always been a storyteller but i had to become a visual storyteller i had to study that and figure that out i never went to school for to be a documentary um i'm still learning every day I never went to school to be a screenwriter. I went to school to be a journalist. But again, I was writing stories before I went to school to be a journalist. So those those sensibilities, those innate sensibilities, you have to, you know. People always say like, oh, why is Michael Jordan the best? It wasn't because he could dunk better than everybody. It was because he was willing to work harder than everybody else. He had the talent that he was going to take with him. But like his mindset is what made him Michael Jordan. Is what make LeBron James was six eight. There was plenty of people six eight that were born six eight. They're not going to be LeBron James because LeBron James works everybody works everybody to death. He studies everybody. Kobe studied everybody. Studied the best. So again, be very study who you are. Go back to your old stuff. Hate it. Know why you see how your improvement. You know I hate reading my old pieces, but I read them because I need to be reminded I'm I've gotten better. You know, and you need that. That's great advice. That is the that's the best non canned response um, that we've gotten, um, or even you know <laughs> even personally, right? Like you just challenged me to now have an even better response. Like what guidance and direction I would give somebody who's interested in coming up. So thank you. No, thank you. Yeah, this is why he's one of my favorites. Um. <laughs> See that yeah, thank you. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, listen, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, what, what we're all saying is that we all have our own story, right? We all have our own story to write. We all have our own story to live. And it's only unique to us. So when you try to sort of mimic someone else, right, and mimic their results, Bonsu just brought it up with the basketball references, which, by the way, I can only understand because I've been watching The Last Dance, binge watching, so great. Perfect I mean, timing. It's, and, it's, and like you said, it's not even about you. Right, right, right. It's not yeah. about how good you can dunk. It's not about how good you can rebound. You see those basketball references, right? I'm picking them up. It's about, it's yeah. about the focus. It's about the study. It's about the discipline. It's about the ability to block everything out that right. doesn't right, contribute right. to where you want to be and what your passion is recalibration even helped me out again like and, during COVID and, you know yeah, and, and, I and it's unique prepared. I thought my April May and June was going to be like on a movie set and that was completely like taken from me and I went through you know I went through uh you know a week and a half of like slight depression and a lot of cognac um but um but you know I re- had to recalibrate and I had to speak to those people and again that's another thing like, <laughs> your network is key like I'm definitely fortunate to have like people in my life like I'm a, you know, like my agent, like, you know, my friends and um, my friends are also really dope as well. Like they could sit on this podcast and they can impress the world as well as all their accomplishments, you know, but so I try to stay around champions to remind myself that, you know, I am one as well. Um, and, you know, but so while. <laughs> Sorry, we got to stop you uh, in Thank the spirit right. of when we drop gems, this is called gems for the journey. I just want to remind everyone right. and ourselves that when gems get dropped, we need to give it a moment, right? 
So just repeat yeah, that. Re- you know, you, you, you said re- staying around champions. champions for the days and why? Like, you say that, that you are a champion. You know, um, being a champion is not like all high and mighty, like I'm the shit every single day. Like some days you don't feel like it. Some days you don't have that energy to, to get up and be your best. And you need to be reminded of that, you know, sometimes you need a friend to point at your crown, you know, and or put a mirror in front of you. Um, so like, and that's what happened again. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm very confident in my ability, but like I'm human and I'm an artist. So like I feel a lot of things and there are days where like, I don't have it and I need a pep talk, you know, or I just need to like shut down and maybe watch something that inspires me to get back on the horse, you know? Um, so I, you know, it, it, again, being a champion doesn't mean like, you know, you have to be all high and mighty or you can be very much a human. Um, and sometimes you need to, you need support. You got to lean on your network. Your, your network is key. And having those conversations with whether it's my agent or just another friend in another industry who's doing well, just their mindset sometimes have like, you know, like, all right, let me get up. Let me get up and get back on this. Let me focus on this. Okay, I can't do that. I can't make this movie. But you know what I can do? I can finish the script that I wrote on my own. That's not co-written. You know, um, you don't have any I don't have anything. I don't have anything uh, besides published work. I don't have any. Oh my God. Like I went from being a co-writer of a short film to a co-writer of a script that went through two Sundance labs. And now I'm going to have, I'm going to completely write my own short film, you know, and then go from there. And then who knows, you know, you know, what comes after that, a feature length that's completely written by myself, you know, or becoming a writer on the television. Series. Yeah. But no, I mean, that's what I'm saying. what like, comes after that. A feature length is a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> that's a big deal too. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, surrounding yourself with champions will help remind you that you're a champion too. And I mean, especially in, in we, we, we go back and forth with some of our episodes where we focus a little more, maybe lean a little heavier to the corporate side. And some, I'm always an advocate for the entrepreneurial side, right? Because that's where I live. That's where I breathe. That's where I feel comfortable. And to your point, Sometimes you get tired and you need someone else to give you your pep talk to say that this is great, you know, or things that you think are mediocre because you're focused on 2021, 2022, instead of, you know, what you're doing right now in this moment in 2017. I remember having to give you a pep talk and I was like, what is wrong? This is a big deal. Let's take a picture. That happened, that's, that's, I will, that's, if you don't stand over there and smile, checking. we're that's taking a picture. Really you know what I mean? And <laughs> that really, that really <laughs> That's real. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you also just you also just mentioned yeah, so, like, I mean, in that your network curating a network of people who are they don't have to be like you they don't have to look exactly like you they have to provide yeah. something to you right they have yeah. to contribute in a way that's really significant right because you do the same for them and I think that's something that people often overlook right it's like what are all the boxes to check what are all the things what's the education that I need or maybe right. even you know what's the business that I need to start and we've talked about this on previous episodes, Absolutely. your network is your currency. Like that's how you're going to get into these rooms and have these dialogues and create these opportunities for one another. So you guys talked about that in your collaboration earlier. And I just wanted to, you know, revisit that for the people. Like your network, you can't say enough about it. It's never going to go away. It's never going to be something that's not a priority for you. Yeah, to and I mean, and try, and, to keep to that, try to keep your network diverse. I mean, you know, you, like I said, you want to surround yeah. yourself with champions, but you know, it doesn't have to be like, I'm a, I'm a writer, I'm a writer, I'm a storyteller. While there are writers that I know, and they give me a certain type of, you know, of guidance and support, you know, I, 
I'm better off to have a sector of my network be writers and creators and have other people who are champions in other areas where you can learn. Because especially as being a writer, like, so it's like I have people in the medical fields who I, or, uh, I view as champions, right? You have people, again, in the marketing world who I view as champions. You have people, you know, who uh, actors and actresses, like, you know, who, have, who are on HBO, like, who I look as champions. They're not they're not my A alike, but like they give me inspiration because I see that they're also working hard. They also need pep talks. They're also human. They also are soaring, but they also are just like me. Like, you know, we're all trying to create something. So I try to keep my network as creative as possible. Um, but, you know, I want creatives from different walks of life, you know, who are in different you know capacities, you know. Um, and I, that just makes me as a writer and me being observant make me gives me a more colorful perspective, you know. Yeah, we talk about that in uh, one of our previous episodes also. Yeah, just the diversity in your experiences and and the diversity in the experience like of other like people do it all the time. Uh, knowing like you think, outsource you so many mediocre people get jobs um, and resources. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 So, uh, you know, we appreciate you coming on to the show and dropping some gems for our listeners and you know I mean hopefully you guys have taken away that everyone has their own unique set of skills and experiences you have your own story that is shaped by you know your background your upbringing where you're from the people you know the things you do and it's unique to you and all of that is helping curate you to be you know, available, qualified, and, and and the right person for that opportunity that is there for you. But to, to Bone Sue's point, right? Find your passion, understand, be passionate about it, love it, right? And then study it, study it hard, right? Because, you know, yes, you may be the only one with your story, but now you want to be the only one that they want to select for the opportunity, the only one that you want to select to move forward for this opportunity yep. for yourself, especially in the entrepreneurial world, because a lot of that requires self-motivation because there's value in, in, in all of our stories um, and in experiences, no matter what your, your walk of life is. And, you know, we do something on the show where we like to um, leave the listeners with something to make their gems theirs. Uh, and, you know, Lee and I, sometimes we go back and forth. So, um, you know, um, but we can, you know, ask, you know, you also, if you want to chime in, but Leah, how do you think, you know, what should we leave the listeners with today with how they can make, um, so both you shared a ton, right? This is a, this is a packed episode, but the thing that I walked away from, um, and I'd like the listeners to walk away from is when COVID happened, he pivoted and he was, you know, as uncomfortable as that was, as problematic as it was, right. You let yourself feel the feelings. And then you get back on the horse to pivot. And that's, that's a part of um, someone who is skilled, but at the same time, you know, being realistic because there's going to be change. There's going to be disappointment. So I think being prepared to pivot, um, you know, not letting your dream be gone because it doesn't look exactly the way you thought it should look. Um, I think thinking about our lives and thinking about our careers in a way that, you know, use this pivot to accelerate you or use this pivot to double down and invest in you. Use this time uh, as an asset. So that would be my gems. How do you make this gem yours? Think about your career. Think about your dream. Think about your passion. Think about the project or the entrepreneurial endeavor that you thought would look one way at this point. 
um, and it doesn't, but how do you keep that alive and pivot? And we'd love to hear your stories about that. We'd love to hear you guys, you know, write into us to tell us, you know, I was thinking about it this way, this episode, you know, helped me see it a different way. So I pivoted. So we'd love to hear that from you guys. What about you, Am? Yeah. And I mean, I know they thought when, you know, this episode might have been about drinking cognac, which some of it was a small, a small portion of it. Right. But it was really about, you know, how something that was unique, right, that a few of us shared drinking cognac. Right. It, it contributed to this unique, this unique set of experiences and background that I had that set me apart in addition to all the other work that I put in, in addition to all the other experiences that I had. Um, which set me up for a, a really amazing opportunity that was a right fit for me that happened to be in cognac. And I still enjoy cognac to this day. So um, I, you know, like I don't have toast, anything though. else to add. I feel, I feel uh, disappointed in us for not toasting glasses of cognac. Right? Post-COVID. Post-COVID. <laughs> we can all right? be together right? again. We got to toast some cognac. You know I got some cognac. Right? 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 Bonsu, I know you got some I might still have the cognac in my system from last night. <laughs> exactly i mean so so actually that's a good idea leah let's let's sort of close out with a toast bone so you want to do a toast to um i always have cognac on deck also um i actually already had some made just in case we might have this moment at the end of the episode so um so i have my glass up in (laughs) right here so if you want to kind of just do a toast, um, um, you know, and kind of leave the I, listeners with, well, with I mean, something. With them, I guess you know, we kind of covered here. a lot here. But again, you know, I think, first of all, thank you guys for having me. Um, this has been a great conversation. Um, you know, Am and I always are, you know, in dialogue, but uh, never in this capacity where I'm the focus. So you guys, I mean, it's funny. I'm, I'm, I think I'm on this podcast to, like, give the listeners a little advice and share my journey. But actually, you also having me talk this out, it's almost been like therapeutic where I've been reminded as well. Um, so I actually feel rejuvenized re- and like I feel like I want to attack this week with more vigor and more focus. Um, and like you said, like we have to pivot and recalibrate, but also we have to also rest, like especially during these times. These are very tense times. Um, our hearts are heavy. Our uh, souls are heavy. Um, so while we're out there like fighting the good fight and, you know, aiming for our dreams and being champions, we also need to know that champions need rest on a regular basis in order to slay so you know love ourselves take care of yourself you know um and love the world cheers 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 to that cheers and thank you guys your life and if you're not cognac drinkers it's okay to have a different (laughs) drink of your choice all right (laughs) thanks guys this has been a real one (laughs) thank you thanks guys (laughs) all righty bye Thank you for listening. We hope this episode gave you some true gems that you can use on your own career journey. Come back for the next episode and be sure to follow us on social at Gems for the Journey on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can also email us at gemsforthejourney at gmail.com. That's G-E-M-S-F-O-R-T-H-E j-o-u-r-n-e-y at gmail.com with any questions or comments you might have.